everyone. Thank you so much for joining the Behind Company Lines podcast today. We have the pleasure of speaking with Akbar Tabani, CEO and co-founder of SFOX, a full-service crypto prime broker bringing together liquidity, best price execution, dark pool access, treasury management, custody, and settlement services all together in one trading platform and ape guides. Akbar, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really excited to chat with you and learn more about your experience. Uh, Fox and, and what the company is doing now. But before we dive into all that, what were you doing before you started the company? First of all, Julian, thank you so much for having me. You, you know, you're great. So I'm excited to be here. Appreciate uh, it. Thank you. You know, so look, right before I started this company, I was with the Airbnb. Uh, and there we had to send money to 190 countries. We're dealing with, the, you know, all different currencies. What you realize is that there is no global financial infrastructure for companies that go global. And so, you know, the, the closest that came to it was Bitcoin and the Bitcoin blockchain. I had uh, played in Bitcoin, you know, back when I was at MIT, back in 2009. So it was an obvious kind of marriage of, here's a big problem that everyone has in the world, a lack of financial infrastructure, and here's the solution. And so that's really what, what got me started with this company. That's amazing. And so... Within that whole discovery process and, and working with different countries, um, what was like some of the, the biggest hurdles you faced? You know, uh, it sounds so easy. Book a book your Airbnb, um, you know, go to that location, pay through whatever payment service. But what are some of the um, barriers that you pass to, you know, uh, move path when you're doing business international like that, that some people might not know of? Yeah, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, when you are doing any international transactions, uh, one of the big pieces is actually sending money. Uh, and that, even for the companies, is really hard. Uh, sometimes if you are working with people that are in remote regions with smaller banks, the wire transfers usually take a lot longer. And so when you look at Bitcoin, you're like, okay, I can actually take that and transfer that within one hour, 24-7, seven days a week. And most banks stop wires at you know, 1 p.m. Pacific time. On yeah. Fridays. And then Monday morning is when you can start. Well, what happens when you have transactions on the weekend? So, you know, infrastructure that just like you send an email, you can send an email on the weekend. Why can't you just send money on the weekend? So really, that's where it started. But I think that the key to keep in mind, though, is that blockchain has gone a lot from just being a Bitcoin to becoming this, right. you know, um, infrastructure for, uh, you know, for uh, financial contracts and other financial transactions. Yeah, yeah. It really grown to be so, you know, kind of, um, I, I would say it's like growing to this ingrained um, you know, financial structure that we're all going to be, you know, using at some point, um, especially on the institutional level, but on the consumer level as well. Um, but Dali, you know, go, going back from, from your experience, were you always headed in this direction? It sounds like, you know, you saw the problem, you solved it. Um, but in terms of this entrepreneurship direction, where did all that come from? If you were to take me back a little bit further in, in your experience, um, you know, working with startups and building companies and then working with bigger companies like Airbnb and now with Xbox, where did all this um, inspiration to seek out the unknown come from? Yeah, and look, I think, I think seeking out the unknown is, you know, a personal passion of mine. So when, when, yeah. when, uh, when I joined JPL back in the day, you know, we, we had a say uh, to, to explore uh, new places and leave a, a trail behind. Uh, and I think ultimately that's what I enjoy. I enjoy identifying new areas and then and setting something up so that everyone else can also kind of get there. Uh, Stamps.com was the same way. I worked at Stamps.com uh, back in the day. They were a startup. 
eventually they can be. Uh, I worked at Boku, which is mobile payments. Again, it was a startup that went public a couple of years ago. Uh, Airbnb was also a startup. So you know, I do like to start early and, and, and essentially build something unique and, and something that, that creates value in the world. Yeah. What's common amongst those experiences of uh, starting, obviously very different products across the board, um, but what's similar about those experience build, um, you know, building companies from the ground level to, you know, either an exit or to, uh, you know, large kind of um, enterprise uh, company? Yeah. They all have one thing in common. Uh, they all use technology to solve a problem. Yeah. And so yeah. the problems might be different. The markets might be different, but they use technology in a unique way to solve that problem. Uh, I think the second thing that they all have in common is that they're all transactional based. If you noticed, uh, you know, there is a, there's a transaction. It's not just a communication platform. It's a transaction based, uh, so be it commerce, uh, global channel, or else thoughts. So that's, you know, those, those are common threads. Uh, but really the, I think that the key is really how can you use technology to simplify something and that, you know, that's yeah. what I, what I look for. And when, when you go through this process of discovery, I think a lot of uh, founders, um, or people even not in, in, within the founder community view problems in a few different ways. One, it's, you know, it's through an experience that, um, then kind of almost like, you know, a, a, a light bulb, um, moment where you and see something that needs to be solved and then work towards that problem. Others kind of see it more uh, practically within their day-to-day life. How do you go about finding problems to solve or is it all through experience? What's your process, um, you know, in, in identifying now, I think the third or fourth problem that, that, that you're solving? Uh, it's actually very straightforward. You, you talk to people. Yeah. Um, the more people you can talk to, the, the better you get at ident- identifying problems. Uh, you also look for trends. Uh, so if you, if you kind of noticed, a lot of these businesses are really similar uh, and they kind of do similar things to, to use the technology. Um, but you kind of want to be early at solving those problems. You don't want to be the, the last at solving that problem. So, so, you, so you talk to people and you look for trends. Yeah, no, that, that, that's made that. I feel like the founder journey is um, a lot of that when you have an inkling and an idea or a kind of thing like communication yeah. with people and customers and, and it starts to develop into the um, elephant in the room where that you then just can't ignore. Um, so in, in regards to Xbox, I love, I love what you're doing there and, and the, um, the, the bottle of water, fantastic. Um, and <laughs> we, were ta- we were talking before the show how cool that, that was. Um, hopefully somebody gives you a meal and turn a plate and everything like that. Um, that would be the best. <laughs> Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit more about Xbox and, and Xbox and the traction you're, you're facing um, and the, the partners you're starting to work with and where it's grown to now. Yeah, look, I, you know, when, when we started Xbox, it was literally out of a garage and then like we were building it. And, uh, you know, every day we would meet to just solve one problem for that day. You know, today we do have a full service platform. Uh, we've gone from just being a trade execution platform to liquidity providing, um, custody. Uh, we recently got a new Wyoming trust license. We launched a, our NDF project, you know, which is a derivative product. So the products that we've gone away from just like a, a trade execution to full service prime broker services. Now, yeah. um, in terms of customers, you know, we've gone from, I would say individual and professional to being a, a premier institutional platform. Uh, you know, some of the biggest hedge funds in the space used to use our platform. Uh, some of the, the traditional banks, uh, names that you've probably heard of that I can't talk about yet. Um, they're all interested in using this platform. 
So I think, I think this is a, it, it's gone from just, hey, you know, this is a hobby in the garage to actually becoming a real product. Amazing. Amazing. And, and when you're, when you're going through this, this building development process, it sounds like two different customers that you were, you know, I, I won't point you were doing individuals, professionals, and then institutions. Um, how does that evolution take place? What was the decision maker to kind of move from one customer to, to another or, or I don't know if they're still working with both customers, expanding that reach. What are the challenges and, and what's that evolution look like? Yeah, no, really good question. So a professional traders is really what we focused on. And we continue to focus on them because, um, you know, every group has lots of different you know, ways of looking at it, but we wanted to build a platform that was for professional traders. And so institutions usually hire these traders. And so it was a natural extension because they, you know, they understand what a good trading platform would look like. Um, and so the, the more, the more traders traded with our platform, the more we realized what we needed to add, like the custody. And so we did. Uh, but a lot of it really came from just listening, you know, listening to the customers, listening to our team, and, and then taking that one step at a time. Uh, yeah, I think everyone wants to kind of become big overnight. And the reality is all startups are, you know, great overnight successes, usually after years in the making. So, yeah. you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, that it just takes a long time and you just work hard and, uh, and you build something. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you're facing with uh, building in Web3 um, at, at its current state right now? Um, I, th I think Web3 is so early and so nascent that I think a lot of how it will be used and how it will be managed and how it will be regulated is still un unclear. And so we do find ourselves experimenting a lot. Uh, yeah. The good thing is, you know, we do have a, a good revenue stream from our training activities, but there's a lot of experimentation because it's clear that Web3, you know, the technology itself is very interesting, but the use case in the application is still in the early phases. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, going to, it, from what its conception was to now what it is and, and the different regulations that are kind of, uh, guiding its growth, um, in that direction, it's interesting to see how kind of the, the push and pull of that experience, um, in growing product. Um, but I'm, I'm curious a little bit more about, um, you know, the, the, the space in, in web and where Xbox kind of is leading towards in that direction. Is it offering more kind of trading services and APIs that build into this platform and just have, um, more financial services that, um, or, or is it something else? Is it something bigger that kind of you're, you're leaning towards or have a deep link that might be more worth? Um, more worth in terms of value to your customer base and the features. Yeah. So look, I, th I think Web3 is really the use of decentralized platforms. Yeah. And in that, you have a token. A lot of the Web3 companies actually don't have a company. Uh, Wyoming has the way to actually register it, what's called a DAO or DAO. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you build, you're starting a Web3 company, you set up a DAO, maybe you, you go to Wyoming and set that up. Well, if there is no company and you have all of its tokens, well, where do you, where do you hold it? And how do you manage it? How do you distribute it? How do you secure it? It's, that's kind of what we focus on. We still focus on the financial services of Web3. So if you want to do asset management of those tokens, you want to uh, distribute that to your users, you want to kind of, uh, hold on to that in the custody, we can help with all of those services. And that's why we've got a Wyoming trust license. So that as a, as a trust company in Wyoming, if you registered a DAO, you know, we can, we can work with you and we can help you. Yeah. That's amazing. Where, where do you think the, 
yeah, how, how far out, maybe it's years, I, I don't know how many, are, are we from um, adopting, you know, Web3 and, and the technology as, you know, not something that we invest in trading, but something that we use as, um, you know, for, for not only like financial services I've loaned, uh, um, but also, you know, uh, your wallets and actually you know, using for transactions. How far are we from adopting this type of technology in, the, in our day-to-day lives? In your opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is where, no matter what I say, it's going to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> but basically, um, <laughs> I think what you said, you said, you said, it starts with financial, financial transactions. Um, I'm not sure if it will become ubiquitous to all users right now, anytime soon. Uh, I think a lot of the, the growth in, in blockchain and in Web3 will come from, I would say, institutions over the next, you know, four to five years. Yeah. Um, underlying, right? Do, do I think individuals will will hold this, you know, stable coins and, and manage it? Yeah, I, I do think that. And I think that as, as this, the rise of stable coins happens, as uh, as more and more people learn how to use these wallets, um, I do think there will be kind of growth in in management of that. But I don't think that it replaces any of the current financial infrastructures right away, because it, it, it is fairly early. Yeah. Yeah. No. Make, it makes sense. I would just like to ask a question to to get somewhat of a an answer. I, I don't um, like, but, but I, I appreciate the um, the honesty there. Um, in, in terms of just like you know, as, as you're building and you know, as you're building technology and and um, you know the the experience from Airbnb and and now they get used as a global um, way to exchange you know um, um, goods and services and, and use that as a currency. What does that mean in terms of um, the ability for businesses to work um, internationally, you know, in terms of the global growth? Is it, is it giving more access to other opportunities um, on a smaller scale and letting those grow? And, and that's kind of my hope and, and, and my my want. But is it also or, or more so um, giving more wealth to those who have kind of the means to access this technology now? Yeah, I, I think... I think technology should always be open and ubiquitous. <laughs> I don't think that technology should be limited by, you know, to people that have money or luck. Because really the, the power of technology is really to, you know, essentially open the world up. And I think it will continue to do that. I don't think that, um, you know, people with wealth will actually be the only one, you know, with the technology. Um, I mean, just take into account if, uh, Bitcoin, everyone was after Bitcoin, <laughs> but now we have Ethereum. Yeah. And you know, uh, there's so many other uh, blockchains and tokens that people can invest in. So I do think that to the extent that, you know, there is such a thing as a global financial network and platform, mm-hmm. a blockchain is that. And it does really open the world up to kind of level the, the playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's also a mechanism for wealth distribution or redistribution. Um, I don't think that blockchain is a good medium for that. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think governments are best to 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 manage that. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, a, with with your experiences building companies from you know from the ground up and and doing so multiple times over. Um, what are some kind of key features that you look for um, for companies that will have success? You know, seeing seeing so many go through so many evolutions and now. You know, yeah. Fbox is working within a new space and environment, so you can think of it as a new product, but it, it seems like a repeatable process. Like, what are some key features that that you see will lead to success of not only the current company you're working on, but other companies around you? Um, I think first and foremost, you've, you've got to solve a problem. 
right? They've gotten a right. problem you're solving. Um, yeah, the, the more severe the problem, the better. Uh, second, um, generally when you're, once you've solved the problem, uh, you also want to make sure that there's some way to monetize. Because if you can't, you know, th those tend to kind of struggle over time. So it has to be a good monetization mechanism. Now, to add to that, if you can add viral growth, um, that is phenomenal. But that's the, it, it's not a necessary thing, right? It, sure. If it's there, great. But if it's not, you can still build big businesses that don't have viral growth. But yeah. the first two are really important. Yeah. When you say viral growth, is that like, um, was that like you're going viral and essentially is that, you know, kind of exposure and, and like fast exposure and, and adoption from like, you know, your customer base? Is that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. If you have some sort of a network externality, right? If, yeah. you know, uh, emails, right? If, if I can email you, you can email me, then the value of email increases for both of us. But if I only need the email access and no one else has it in the world, it's worth zero to me. So right. the more people have it, the value you're believe. So if you have that kind of a mechanism in your platform or in, in your product, that, that's the third piece that I look for. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a book that founder recommended to me called Contagious. And it's all about this idea um, uh, of word of mouth and, and spreading um, your product by word of mouth as, as a, the best medium for um, getting you know, your message across, people to adopt your product. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've read the book or not. But I'm I'm curious on how um, how that works. Like you know, we all think about this going viral. You know, I, I think for for my generation, it's about social media posts and either making the funniest video or something that's extremely relevant to that that point in time. Um, how do you view it from a product standpoint on helping your product become viral um, and being adopted more quickly, more readily by your customer base or by a broader audience? Yeah, I, I, and I, like I can think of it from a product perspective, right? So generally, um, and I won't just take up talk about SFOX for a second. Um, yeah. You know, our platform is a buyer and a seller pro platform. Mm -hmm. So the more buyers I have, the more value for the sellers. The more sellers you have, the more value for the buyers. And so that essentially means that the, the you know, the more I can add of each side, the value gets created for everyone. Yeah. And so that, you know, that's something that you can look at from a product perspective. Uh, certainly, if you have, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one communication, right? If if I if you were drawing coins on our platform, and you're settling with someone else, if you can make it so that they're both on our platform, then that also increases viral growth. So, you know, transactions, deposits, and withdrawals, all of those can add to to growth from a product side. Uh, I think you know, on the social media, right? It's no difference like following and retailing, yeah. right? So. You know, I, I, it's kind of very similar where you, if you could create more value, every time a new user adds uh, and you create that value by growing the value for all the users, that's what it matters. In terms of marketing communication, which is the part you're talking about, not an area that I focus on at all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I, you know, I think that people are really good at that. Uh, and it's something that, that, you know, I should probably learn from them about. Yeah. Well, I love the, I love the value piece, but I think I'm, I've heard it time and time again, and it's just an echo. Um, so I hope the audience is listening because it is such um, a, a thing about doing good work, adding value to both of your, your you know, parties. For me, you know, we run a marketplace at Auto Labs, so that you know we have two pieces of our marketplace, two side of marketplace, and it's really about how can we increase the value and, and you know work the seesaw. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I ask it from a product perspective because in selfish, I'm, I'm curious uh, on uh, on your experience, but. Um, you know, being within SoFox and going back to your building and what you're building today, what are some of the biggest risks that your company faces as you continue to grow and um, you can do the, you know, work with more partners and add new products to, to your uh, platform? 
Yeah, look, I think some of the some of the earlier risks were, you know, will crypto survive? I don't think that's a question anymore. I think crypto is here to stay and is it continuing to grow? Um, but there are other risks, you know, making sure that our, you know, our uh, product continues to be competitive in the market. Uh, the space is evolving so fast that we continue to continue to develop new ways of attracting customers and, and creating value for them. Um, I think regulatory is another big unknown because, you know, the, the laws in the space are still new. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, it's a good thing for us when, you know, new laws come up because it does create clarity. Uh, and we've built a platform that really just follows regulation. So I think in many ways, it's a good thing. But it is an unknown. It's something that we need to be prepared for. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and if everything goes well uh, within what you're building, what is the long-term vision for SFOX? Um, where do you see it, it going? Where, who do you see it working with? And what do you see it becoming in terms of its overall impact? Yeah, look, I think long-term, if we can build a global financial network that, again, will, will be used by professionals, right? So institutions, money managers, RIAs. I think that can create a foundation for a lot of the people around the world to use blockchain. Because I don't think that individuals will, all individuals will go to the blockchain directly. I think they'll all go through some intermediary. And so creating that network and infrastructure to give a lot of these businesses access to the blockchain, it's really, really kind of the, the ultimate goal. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, well, I, I'm really excited about where SFOX is going, the different products and the different people and stakeholders you're working with. It's, it's amazing to see the adaptation of um, Web3 technology into so many different areas, especially within financial services, because, you know, that, that uh, ability to access it, um, it only trickles down to you know, consumers and, and really offers, like I said, that infrastructure that allows a lot of people to use it in intermediaries. So, uh, yeah, overall, just really excited about that. A bonus question I like to ask all my guests for you know, selfish research and for them to get more information um, and, and to get more information is what books or people have influenced you the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I read a book on the, when you hear a food speech, think of a zebra. <laughs> I thought that was a, that was a very eye-opening book. It, it really changed my perspective. So I think, you know, what, as a result of that kind of, you know, I think you asked me the question in the very beginning, you know, what inspires me to, to think differently? And, yeah. and it is that kind of thinking where, you know, you don't just follow what everyone else is kind of nor- in the normist. And sometimes you do need to think a little differently in order to come up with ideas that, that are different. And so, so I highly recommend that book. Amazing. Amazing. And, um, and obviously it's been such a, such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm excited to share this with the audience, but, um, where can we support you? I'd love to learn more about your plugs, you know, give me a LinkedIn or Twitters. Where can we be uh, a supporter of Xbox? And, uh, not only that, get more information like this from, you know, someone like yourself. Um, I mean, you know, fox.com, right? You register, it's free to register. You can use it as a free wallet. Uh, and then give us feedback, you know, uh, do some trading, give us feedback because we'll only get better if we hear from, from the people. Amazing. Amazing. Akbar, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to share this with the audience and not only, um, you know, I've learned a lot from your experience, but from where you've taken Fox and your other company that you work with, I hope you enjoyed yourself on the show. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Quite.